I would invite you to click to or to turn to uh, James chapter 2. Um, this, is a, this is a verse. This, this is a verse that, that really God laid on my heart before we ever left for Zimbabwe. Um, and, um, and it's a controversial passage, James chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to read that. I'm going to read that in a few minutes, and then we're going to work through this scripture together. And I want to talk to you about this issue of faith. I, I want to talk to you about just what it means to walk by faith, because I think in, in our culture, in our, our society, there, there's a lot of misunderstandings. We, we live in a culture of easy believism. And so I, I want to talk to you about this issue. And so, so I started working through this passage before we left for Zimbabwe. Um, I, I scratched out an, an outline and, and turned it in so that they'd be able to do notes and, and screen stuff. Stuff and gave them some scripture and all that other stuff, but it, it really was a, a sermon that has just kind of birthed me uh, there in Zimbabwe and, and then coming home. And so I, I, I have to tell you that, that I honestly have left a little bit of my heart uh, in Mimbezi. Uh, that's, a, that's a ministry that we've had there for about eight years. Bob and Joan Thomas are the ones that lead that. Uh, many of our team members that traveled with us are, are like, they're, they're in this service. And, and so you're more than welcome to ask them about their stories and what God did. Uh, it would be my goal. The uh, fact is, I think it improved, uh, it improved every one of us just to be up against the marginalized, up against those that are the less fortunate, the poor, the marginalized, the orphans, because God cares deeply about the orphans. And, and so when, when you go and you're in this setting and you're in this, 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 this atmosphere like we were for like, like twin de- tw- uh, tw- 12 days, it changes everything. It changes the way you start reading scripture. It changes the way you worship. For instance, that one song that we worship to, and, and we sang that he is father of the fatherless. He is the defender of the weak. I mean, we were, we, we were with the orphans. We were with the fatherless. And God cares deeply about the orphan. And God cares deeply. In fact, as James would say this, pure and undefiled religion is when you care for the widow, you care for the orphan, and that he is the father of the fatherless. And, and we were just immersed in that. I mean, we were immersed in that. Well, like Pastor Beth said, there were 450 orphans that joined us in the morning. Uh, we led a, a pastor's conference. The men led a pastor's conference, and, and the women led a pastor's wives' conference, in which, which I learned that pastor wives over there, they're called low mamas. And so now I have a new phrase for Karen. And so uh, <laughs> sounds a lot like yo mama. And so uh, that's probably TMI. I'm so sorry. But I am, I am so jet lagged right now. And so uh, there's no telling what's going to come out today. And so, uh, and so they, we ministered to, to each group. And then that afternoon, all the kids in the village, uh, in which 450 came, all the kids in the village would come for a VBS. And it is true, orphans don't get to play as kids. And for them, this is like, this is like getting to go to Disneyland. This is like getting to go to Disney World. And so you got 450 orphans that come, and we fed them. And you know how we fed them? Over an open fire and a big pot. I mean, it's amazing what, what took place. And there's so much that, that just marked me and marked our team. I mean, when, when, when we were caring for the orphans, I could, I could hear this little girl she was just wailing. I mean, she was crying. And so through the crowd, I, I finally found her. And she's sitting in the dirt with her brother. She's about six or seven years old. Brother's probably four or five. The problem is, is he was outgrowing his shoes, and they didn't have any more shoes for him. And because many of the kids, they, they don't have shoes. And so she is wailing. And so she was able to get one shoe on, and she's trying to get the other shoe on, and the other shoe won't go because he's outgrowing his shoes. And so I sat down in the dirt with her and says, I, I can do this. And I couldn't. And now we're both crying. <laughs> the little boy's not crying because he's an orphan. See, orphans have no voice. 
Orphans are like a nobody. Finally, somebody came up, some people came up, and we got the situ situation taken care of. And what Fellowship of the Rockies is doing in Mimbezi, see, we're the only Christian work there. For eight years, we've been working in that area. We built a church. We put in a water well. Do you realize because of your giving, because of your faithfulness, that a community in Africa gets clean water, the whole community? So we put in a church there. We built a church there. We put in a, a well there. Uh, we built a garden. We bought them chickens. We bought engines for, for trucks and, and different things like that. We bought them a, 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 tr a trailer. See, the, the day in the life of an orphan is to work. You know what the orphans do there? They, they work to eat, and so orphans there, they spend their day going to the water well that we put, put in, fill up a bucket, and then they go irrigate the garden. That's their day. That's their day. And so for, for a few days, they, they get to play, and they, they get to have a, have a good time. And so this verse that I, I want to just bring your attention to, and we'll, we'll come back to some of this. It's not going to come up on the side screen, but let me, let me just read it. It's, and in fact, is, let, me just, let me just tell you, and we'll work through this together. This is one of the most controversial passages, for sure, in the New Testament, I, I believe, in the, in the entire Bible. This thing that, that James says, and so we'll work through this together. So don't freak out when we start reading this and think we're headed another way. And we'll work through the scriptures together. We're going to understand what this means. And so here, James asks a couple of questions to the community in which he's ministering. And he says this, James chapter 2, verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And so all of a sudden, James is like asking this question about, about this issue of faith and works. And, and listen, every cult misunderstands, or every theological cult, I'm sorry, every theological cult misunderstands this verse. And so when they show up at your house and they knock on your door and they start talking to you about this issue of faith, what they're going to tell you is this, is the way that you get salvation is by works. You have to work your way to heaven. So every theological cult takes this verse and they misunderstands this verse. Here's simply what James is saying, that if, that if you love someone, you should show it. In other words, if you love someone, that something should happen. If you genuinely love someone, that, that there should be evidence in your life. If someone says that they love you and they're committed to you, but they act different than that, they don't act like they love you or they don't act like they're committed to you, then all of a sudden, you know what we say? We say talk is cheap. You know what we say? We say your actions is speaking louder than your words. And so what James is saying is this. He's actually ha trying to help us walk through this scripture, these passages together, to understand that, 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 that if if you have faith, if you have faith in God, if he has transformed your life, then there should be evidence in your life. In other words, you, you should be able to see that. And see, every cult misunderstands this. And what cults tell you is this, is that you've got you to gotta work for your salvation. And as long as you've done more good stuff than bad stuff, you're like good to go. And James is coming back and said, no, it's much deeper than that. And so you can go to look at Paul and look what Paul says. And so Paul, into his context, into his church, he begins say, saying things. And he does say, it's by grace, through faith, that, that, we're, that we're saved. And so then James comes along. And it, it appears to be a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. Actually, they're both right. And James comes along and says, it's not just faith, but it, it's kind of like faith and works. And if, if the transformation has happened, then we ought to see some, some evidence in your life. So let's understand the two enemies and the two context of, of Paul and James. See, Paul is fighting legalism. 
Paul and his church is fighting legalism. There's a group of people that's saying it's by, it's by keeping the, the Jewish regulations and the, the Jewish festivals and, and circumcision and the Jewish laws and all of those other things. And, and Paul is fighting this issue of legalism. But James doesn't have that problem in his church. James is fighting another problem. James is fighting a different enemy. James is fighting laziness and indifference. James is fighting a group of people. And it sounds a lot like our culture, right? James is fighting this issue of it doesn't matter how you live, just what you believe. God doesn't care about how you live. God doesn't care about what you do with your body. God doesn't care about what you do with your time. God doesn't care about your priorities. God doesn't care how you treat your neighbor. God doesn't care about any of that. Fact is, it's not in what you do. It's only in what you believe. And only as long as you believe in God, then you're good to go. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter how you treat your neighbor. It doesn't matter what you do with your time, your talent, your resources, all of that other stuff. It it's James is fighting this issue of culture, just this laziness, just this indifferent. And so, so what's happening is James and Paul are fighting two different enemies. But they, they, use, they both use the word works, but they use the word work differently in, in each context. They use it a different way. Pa, James, or Paul is using the word works, and he's talking about the Jewish laws and the circumcision and all these other things. And James is using the word work for lifestyle, how we live our life, the acts of love. And it's totally different. So Paul is focusing on the root of salvation. James is focusing on the fruit of salvation. In other words, what comes out of your life. And, and Paul is talking about how to become a Christian. James is talking about how to show that you're a Christian. In other words, it should be evidence that you're, that, you, that you're a believer. And so Paul is talking about these passages, and Paul is talking about this issue of faith, and that if you have been transformed, there should be evidence in your life. I mean, there, there, there's a, a pastor in Mimbezi, and I got, I got, I got to meet him, and, and I, got, I got to hear his story. You see, see, here's the amazing thing. These people, I mean, the, 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 the unemployment rate in Zimbabwe is 80 to 90 percent of about 300, uh, 450 orphans showed up. In fact, is the chief of the village, which would be kind of like our mayor, lieutenant governor, something like that. Uh, he actually heard we were there. He came to shake our hands and to personally tell Fellowship of the Rockies, thank you. The difference that we have made in their community by clean water. And he cannot understand how a group of Americans would travel a long distance to minister to a group of people they don't even know. They, they don't even know. And so he came to tell us, thank you. But there was this pastor over there and when, and that we got to meet. And when he was a young boy under, under Mugabe uh, rule, uh, his family was drug out of their home into the street because they were Christians. They began torturing his father in front of him and his mother. And so the men would take a take pieces of barbed wire fence and use the barbed wire to rip the flesh of his dad through the night. And so as they would rip his flesh, they would take plastic bottles and they would melt the plastic into the wounds of his dad. And they took his mom and they made his, made his mom stand over him and sing worship songs as they were torturing him and says, if your God is so strong, let's see if he'll save you. When the sun came up and there was light, they, they finally executed his dad in front of him and his mom. This so marked that young boy. He said the way that my dad lived his faith even in the midst of persecution in my mom. He said, I, I know this is real. And he's given his life. He's now a pastor. He's preaching the gospel all over Zimbabwe. James, see, this is James' point. 
James's point is this, is if you have been transformed, if you have been changed, if God is in you, then, then, then there, there's a change that happens. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so there's three prepositional phrases that Paul uses in there, by grace, through faith, faith for good works. And if you ever get those out of order, you're, you're in trouble. And so I, I, I just want to give you three things this morning about how to show that you're a believer, how to prove that you're a believer, and for, e for each one of us. I mean, Paul talked about this in the New Testament, for each one of us to check our own life and make sure there, there's evidence in our life that, that we have not made Christianity all about us. See, this is what James is fighting. James is fighting a group of people that said, you know, it's all about me. It's about God. It's about God answering all my prayers. It's about God giving me that dream vacation or that dream job or that dream relationship or that dream situation. It's all about him blessing me. But it's not about me doing anything in the Christian life as far as ministering to someone else, serving someone else. It's not about me aligning myself with the scriptures. It's just about him blessing me. So this is what James is fighting for. The first thing is this. If we're going to walk through this together, the first thing is this. An authentic faith is more than a claim you make. An authentic faith, a real faith, is more than a claim that you make. It's more than something that you say. In other words, talk is cheap, and we talk about that a lot, right? Especially in relationships, talk is cheap. Sometimes your actions, and a lot of times your actions speak louder than your words. And so James goes on in verse 14, and he just starts, he just, just starts working through this, and he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And so here's the interesting thing about that. It doesn't say he actually has faith. It just simply says, in fact, as he makes a statement, if someone says he has faith, in other words, if someone claims to have faith, if someone claims to believe in God, but it unlike change them, I mean, there's, there's like no evidence. It doesn't change the way they live. It doesn't change the way they handle relationships. All of a sudden, he starts asking this question, and, and, he, and he starts talking about this, this individual that just claims to have faith. In other words, he's talking about that person that knows just enough Scripture, maybe just, just enough Christianese or Christian language or some Christian phrases that it doesn't really do anything about their lifestyle. I mean, Jesus is the one that said this. I think it's one of the most sobering passages in the New Testament. Jesus says this, that not everybody who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter, enter my kingdom. There's some that will say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, depart from me. I, I, like, I like never knew you. I like never had a relationship with you. It was never really authentic. It never really changed you. And so what, what James is saying, and, and, and maybe, maybe more in our language, that not everybody that has a Christian bumper sticker is a Christian. Not everybody who goes to church is a Christian. Not everybody who wears a, a, a fish on their car or a piece of jewelry is a Christian. I mean, in a time, in time of crisis, in a time of grief and loss and pain, that's when you and I discover the depth of our faith. When, listen, when life squeezes you, whatever is inside of you comes out. I mean, it's, it's when we realize what we really believe. And James is saying, listen, James is saying, what value is your faith? What value is this relationship with God? If you don't do anything about it, if it doesn't literally change you, if it doesn't literally change how you handle your marriage and how you handle relationships and how you forgive people, how you love your neighbor, how you serve him, how you get involved with, with other people. And James is talking about this individual. 
that claims to know God, but there, there's, there's like no evidence. And he goes on, verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You can almost hear James's frustration. You can almost hear his frustration in a, in a culture with all these needs around and, and, people, and, and, he, and people aren't meeting the needs. And he's like, what good is that? Listen, I, I don't know if you know this, but Charles Schultz, uh, the creator of the, the, the Peanuts cartoon series, Charlie Brown, uh, Charles Schultz was, was a deep believer. And he used the Peanuts cartoons to communicate biblical thought without ever, without ever referencing the scripture. You can actually, in his autobiography, you can actually buy books and, and you can get every one of his cartoons and it will show you the scripture reference that he used. One of the ones that I, I remember the most is uh, Charlie Brown and Linus. They're like in the house and, and it's a cold winter day and they're looking out the back door and there's Snoopy, you know, and Snoopy's like shivering and he's shaking and he's on the, standing next to his dog house and his, food, his water bowl is like frozen over. Uh, there's no food in his, his dog bowl. And so they, they start having this conversation that I bet you Snoopy's kind of cold. I bet you he's hungry. I bet you he's thirsty. Maybe we should do something about it. And so they said, let's go. So they go out of the house and they walk past Snoopy. They look at him and say, be of good cheer. And they, and they keep walking. You know where he gets this verse? Or when he, when he got that cartoon strip? From this verse right here. In other words, in other words what, what <coughs> excuse me. What James is trying to help us to understand, what, what good is your faith if you never try to meet any of the needs around you? If you never understand that life isn't all about you, that God has placed people around you for you to minister to? I mean, what, what it w- would it be like after, after service and, and uh, I'm, I'm walking out to my truck and I pass you by and you're, you're at your car and you have slammed all four of your fingers in the car door. There's blood everywhere and you're in pain and you can't, you can't reach the, the door to, to get your, your hand out. And I walk by you and says, man, I really feel for you. And I keep walking. James would say, well, what good is that? In other words, what James is trying to help us understand that real, real faith is way more than emotion. It's way more than sympathy. It's way more than, than hurting for someone. Real faith is where you come to this place to where you, to where you care deeply about someone. Here's, here's the interesting thing. Verse 15, it says, if a brother or sister is, cl- is poorly clothed. Let me, let me just tell you, you, this is a little tidbit, which is just for free this morning. Just for you. He says, brother or sister, this is the only place in Scripture where women are referred to as sister. Only place. It's interesting. The reason is this. What James is trying to do is kind of trying to communicate, guess what? We are brothers and sisters. We are family. We have a relationship with one another. Our brothers and sisters in Mimbezi, our brothers or sisters are here. Our brothers or sisters are around us because we're one in Christ, and as a result of that, we're family. And as a result of that, we have family responsibilities. As a result of that, we have family responsibilities to help one another, to minister to one another, to serve one another, to get involved with, with, with one another. And in fact, is John, he put it this way in 1 John chapter 3, um, verse 17, he said, he said, but if, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, this real faith is generous. Real faith wants to give. Real faith wants to meet needs around them. Listen, we can't meet everybody's needs. I get that. I understand that. But this real faith causes us, moves us to action. 
It moves us to live this out. I mean, James makes this, this statement. It's, it's, it's just so interesting to me. He, he makes this statement, be, be, be warm and filled. Uh, be well and, and well fed. He makes this statement. Listen, theologians have, have argued about what tense are these, is this in? What tense are these verbs in? Uh, some will say middle tense and some will say it's like a passive tense. A middle tense would be this, you know, just go and feed yourself, uh, you know, keep yourself warm. A passive tense would be more like, I hope someone else sees the need and takes care of that. I hope someone else helps you to be warm and, and well-fed and take care of that. It's not my responsibility. I hope somebody else does that. And so, so here's the issue. Words serve me. Actions serve others. Words serve me in a relationship. That's why it's so easy to say, I love you. I'm committed to you. I hurt for you. But you know what? Words serve me. It just makes me feel better about myself. But actions, actions serve others. That's why James is trying to bring them to the point that all of a sudden their faith would like lead them to action. In other words, real faith gets involved with people. And when you become a part of the family of God, you have responsibilities. Real faith is generous. Real faith wants to get, give. And, and John is, is working through this. And then, then James says in James chapter 2, 17, he goes on. He says, so also faith by itself does not have works. It's dead. If I don't feel like helping other Christians, getting involved with people, ministering to others, knowing who's in the family of God, James would say, you know what, I, I don't have a sick faith, I, I have a dead faith. In other words, my faith was like, like never alive, and, and, and I know this. James lays it on the line. I mean, James is that type of preacher, just when you work through the book of James, that he, he just tells it like it is. I mean, he is very, very upfront. He, he, he is not, you know, there's two different types of, of preachers, I think. There, there's, uh, well, you don't even care. I don't even care. There's a, anyway, we, we need to move on. That's just an ADD thought. So you will be proud of me because, uh, you know, I get distracted real easily. I am teaching in the pastor's conference and a chicken walks in. I think it even laid an egg while I was there. And so, uh, but I, you know what? I didn't even flinch. I just, I just continued on. And so, uh, so I, I don't know what happened in Africa. Maybe I got temporarily cured of my ADD because, I mean, there were a lot of, there are a lot of distractions over there. So we need to move on. Second thing is this. A living faith is more than your theology. A living faith is way, listen, a lot of people like to hide behind their theology, like to hide behind their beliefs. So watch this, what James says. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. You know what that word shudder means? It means, it means to bristle. It means to, to be so afraid that, 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 that the hair stands up on, on, on the back of your neck. In other words, Paul, James is trying to say, you, you, you know what? You, you want to argue this about theology? Even, listen, even, even the demons believe in God. I mean, they witnessed what happened at the cross, but you're not going to see them in heaven. Why? Because they've never submitted their authority to him. They've never surrendered their life to him. And so James is trying to help them understand because for some people, this issue of faith, it is just an intellectual tr a trip. I mean, it is just this, this is philosophy, it's this beliefs, it's, 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 it's a matter to be studied, it's a matter to be debated, it's a matter to be talked over and discussed. Um, 
In other words, just kind of stimulate me mentally, but I'm never, I'm never going to change. And, and here's what's interesting. James makes this statement twice. He said, show me, just show me. In other words, what James is saying, real faith is visible. In other words, there's evidence by what we believe, by, by how we act. You want to know, you want to know what you really believe? It's, 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 it's what you do. And this is what James is trying to help us understand. Listen, the most difficult funerals for me to do as a pastor are those funerals that when we gather around the casket or in my office and we gather around a casket of a, of a loved one or a friend that has passed away and family and friends gather around that casket and they start asking questions, where are they? they in heaven? I mean, we think they, we think they believed. We think they made a decision early as a child. We think they did, but they never really talked of God. They never really went to church. They, there was really no, no evidence in their life. And all of a sudden, family and friends and loved ones are gathered around the casket, and they, and they want to know, where, where is this loved one? I think the greatest thing that you and I can do for our family is to live our life in such a way when our family gathers around the casket for us, they don't have to wonder. They know because of the life that we led. Because of the choices that we make. See, this is what happened to this pastor that saw his father be persecuted for his faith. It literally changed him because his faith was like visible. Charles Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can see the results. You can't see faith, but you can see the results. In other words, what James is saying, you say you're a Christian, you say you believe, then prove it by your actions. Don't we say that in relationships? You say you love me. You say you're committed to this marriage. You say you're committed to this relationship. You know what? Show me. I mean, because talk is cheap and talk is easy. And sometimes our actions speak louder than our words. This happened to me, and I, this best way I can illustrate this is, is when we were flying back for Zimbabwe, and, and we, did, we didn't have constant electricity. I mean, we didn't have constant running water. Um, I mean, I mean you, you took a shower by faith. I mean, the, sh the water could end in the middle of it, and you could wear dry soap the rest of the day. That was just kind of the deal, and we didn't ha always have constant electricity. But you know what was an awesome thing? Uh, we had fried chicken almost every night. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, glory. I mean, I mean... And it was awesome. We drove into Bulawayo, and we either ate pizza or fried chicken. I, it just does not get any better than that. And so, uh, and uh, I don't even know where I was, Pastor Dwayne. I know now. And so, uh, and so we were flying back for Zimbabwe, and we grabbed Wi-Fi for the first time. I mean, the first thing I checked on is make sure the Cowboys beat the Giants, and they did. Woohoo! We got, and then I learned we got Ezekiel Elliott back. I prayed the whole time. I fasted in between meals, and so, uh, so we got, and so you know, good for us. And so, and then I checked on the grandkids. You know, in that order. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's what I did. And so, and so we check on the grandkids, make sure they're okay. And so our grandkids missed us. They wanted to see us. And so we jumped in the car, the, you know, a couple of days later. And so as we're leaving, my grandsons uh, told their mom, Brittany calls Karen, my wife, and says, hey, tell Pop Pop to bring the mountain bike. We want to go mountain bike riding with Pop Pop. And so I says, awesome. So I threw my mountain bike in, in the car. I, 
Listen, I, and, and I believe in wearing a helmet. I talk about wearing a helmet. I make sure the kids wear helmets and all that other stuff. I, I wear a helmet. But this time, I didn't wear a helmet because I'm like, you know, I'm going with these little kids and, and we're going to go to some baby trails or whatever. It's no big deal. So I didn't take my helmet. So we get to Colorado Springs and we get there and they got, they're already, I mean, they're already on their bikes. They already got the helmets on. I drag the bike out. Off we go, right? And they're like, Pop, Pop, where's your helmet? And and I said, you know, I don't need a helmet and went through that whole deal with, you know, with, but you got to wear a helmet. And so, so we went to the mountain bike area that you could ride to behind the house and we're going over their trails. All of a sudden I saw like a pop, pop trail, like, like, uh, and it, and it, it, it dropped off. It went almost straight down for like 20 feet, flattened out and went back up. And so I says, kids, watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to jump this. And they're like, oh, we don't think you should. We're not allowed to. I said, yeah, that's because you're kids. I could do this. And so. They're like, where's your helmet, Pop Pop? You're supposed to wear it. I said, it'll be okay. And so they're like, okay, we're not supposed to do this. You're going to be in trouble. And so, because we had no women with us to say, for someone to say, no, don't do that. And so, so I jumped. I went straight down. And, and I literally went straight down. I lost control. I flipped the bike. I went head first into the, into the trail. Uh, did I tell you I had no helmet? And so I had no helmet. <laughs> And I don't know if you know this, a head wound bleeds horribly. And so I, I split. And so those of you that are on the front row, you may have been wondering what's up with the black eye and what's up with that stuff. Now you know. And so, uh, so I split my eyebrow open. And so, you know, it's bleeding everywhere. And I look up and now I've traumatized the grandkids. And so they are literally traumatized. They take off running. We're going to get help. And I'm like, I am so in trouble. And so... <laughs> And so, you know, I got everything together. I'm bleeding everywhere. And my wife is, is, a, is a nurse. And so, no, I didn't have to go to the ER. Uh, she cleaned me up. And I think she enjoyed it because it was really painful. And, and so she glued it. You know, she did the whole, the whole new skin, whatever that's called. And she glued it back together. And so, so my grandkids, they, they, you, know what they're, you know what they're frustrated with? Why did Pop Pop not wear a helmet when he tells us to wear a helmet? This is what James is saying. You know what? Your actions, your actions speak louder than, 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 than your words. And, and just, just me personally, it's just a burden. I, I honestly don't understand how big God can enter someone's life and you not be changed. Your priorities don't change. Your desires don't change. You don't want to live your life in such a way to like please him. That it's about him pleasing you. That dream job, that dream vacation, that dream marriage, that dream relationship, that dream situation. I'm telling you. I've been in some of the poorest places of our world. And their faith, it is pure. You know what's a sad commentary? They display more joy than the average American. The joy they expressed, the things they talk about, it's just like this, just like this pure joy. The third and the last thing is this, a, a living faith is not determined by what we do, it's demonstrated by what we do. See, this is what James is saying. An authentic faith, a real faith, a living faith, not a dead faith, is not determined by what we do. It is demonstrated. I, I demonstrate my faith, not by what I say, 
but what I do and how I live my life. And so in these next couple of verses, James just gives this, gives, gives this illustration. And he uses, he uses two people, uh, very different people from different ends of the spectrum. He uses, he uses Abraham and, 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 um, and, and Rahab. Abraham's a man and, and Abraham, uh, Abraham's a man and, and, and Rahab is a woman. Abraham is Jewish. Uh, Rahab is a Gentile. Uh, Abraham is a patriarch. Uh, Rahab is, is a prostitute. Abraham is a somebody. Uh, Rahab is like a nobody. Abraham is a major character in, in the Bible. Rahab is a minor character in the Bible. And all of a sudden, he uses his illustration to help us understand about this issue of faith. And, and the only thing that these two individuals had in common was they, they demonstrated their faith. And so he goes on, verse 20, James chapter 2. He said, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that, that, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, as he was called a friend of God. And so how, how did he know it? You, 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 could, you could like see it. He, he believed in a way that his faith was like, like visible. It said Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous and he was called a friend of God. And so the ultimate test was when God asked Abraham to offer up his son. And so this has nothing to do with his salvation. You can, you can trace Abraham's life and you can realize that he became a, a believer. He became a, a God follower 25 years prior to this when God said it was counted to him as righteousness. And so he's not talking about being saved by works. He's saying... That, it, that if, you've, if you've been saved, if you've been transformed, then there will be evidence in your life. There will be evidence as you, as you flesh that out in your life, in, in, in your relationship. And so with Abraham, it says when God called Abraham to do something, Abraham immediately obe obeyed. He immediately did it. He took his son and he went up to the mountain and he told his servants, he says, me and my son, we're going up to the mountain. We have the fire, we have the sacrifice, and we're going to worship and we will be back. In other words, it was, it was a huge statement of faith. And I don't know how God's going to do this, but God's going to save my son. God's going to take care of this situation. And so what, what James is saying, you can look at Abraham. And Abraham proved his faith by the way he lived his life. And then he moves to Rahab. Rahab was a, was a prostitute. And Rahab uh, saved an entire city. You could read about it in Joshua chapter 2. She, she saved an entire city uh, by, by, by talking to two spies and saving the spies. In verse 24, it goes on, and she says, You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and, and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And James is saying our faith is not determined what we do. Our faith demonstrates what we do. He, he used this, this, this word justified with Abraham and with, with Rahab. And, and it means to prove yourself the right way. And in, in other words, James uses, uses it that, that his actions lined up with his words. And so let's, let's, say, that, let's, let's say that you have a doubt. And you make that debt good. You, you pay off that, that debt. And so what have you done? You have proved yourself to your, to your creditor. I mean, this is, this is what he's saying. For example, if I say to you, justify that statement, what I'm, I'm saying, demonstrate that it's true. Prove to me that it's true. Give me evidence that it's true. See, this is what, this is what James is saying. 
You say you believe in God. You say you have a faith. You say that you're a follower of Christ. Then demonstrate it. Prove to me that it is true. In a real sense, what James is saying, that if we're not careful, talk is cheap. It's easy. We live in a culture of easy believism. That all I have to do is just believe in God. God didn't care about my choices. God doesn't care how I live my life. I mean, it's just, it's, it's literally all about me. And James pushes into that culture and says, if there's been transformation, there's a change that's happened in your life. And as a result of that, you handle your marriage, you handle your relationships, you handle your job, you handle your choices. Totally different. Totally different. Did you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?